Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And of course, thank you for leaving all your reviews on iTunes. As always, much appreciated. This episode and all of our episodes for the remainder of the year are brought to you by Leo Vegas. Every week, me, Tim and Phil on the other podcast, Egg Chasers Podcast, go and check that out, give our score predictions for a different game of the week. Go on to leovegas.com, see what our score predictions are, and if you fancy having a go yourself, well, why not? They're great partners and they're currently supporting Rugby Union, and more importantly, Rugby Union Podcasts. So leovegas.com, go and find them there. Also, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Beardmore. This podcast is at the Rugby Dungeon and the aforementioned Egg Chasers is at Rugby Podcast. If that's not enough for you, you can also find our Scottish offering, which is the Thistle Rugby Podcast. All things Scottish rugby, great guys. Have a listen, um, download them, subscribe, do all those great things. Anyway, enough of this rambling on. Now it's time for my interview with Exeter Chief's very own Kai Horstman. Enjoy the interview. I'm delighted to be joined by the one and only Kai Horseman. How are you, Kai? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Now, a bit of a strange one for you guys this week, because although I'm sure you enjoy your week off, I also am sure you'd much rather be playing this weekend. Yeah, so obviously it's the European, European Cup uh, quarterfinals this weekend, and unfortunately we didn't do enough in the pool stages to get through, so um, we've had the weekend off. Uh, much rather be playing in a European quarterfinal, I think, but... <laughs> You know, this 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 time of the season, I think, um, you know, we'll take a weekend off, and, and you know, we got to prepare for Bristol next week. So, um, a rest week rest weekend's not too bad for us. Yeah, you had a brutal pool in the European Cup. Yeah, you know, I think I think most pools are really tough to be honest. But a couple of years running now, we seem to seem to pick Clermont. Um, two years running, and maybe three years running in our, in our pool. Um, and they're, they're a real tough side to play, so, you know, especially away. Um, yeah. And in fairness, you know that we we kind of got we didn't pitch up either, both at our place and certainly away. We we kind of you know it was a, re- a real lesson learned there. They kind of um, really taught us a lesson how to play the game over there. That's for sure. Well, I think that Claremont game it was almost like a perfect storm because they obviously want to get one over on you for last year when you had that remarkable results at home against the Ospreys. And everything else went your way as well, I think. No, so yeah, so so we uh, what did we do? So last year we got the we got, 
we got a bonus uh, crucial bonus point away from home, and then we had to get we had to get a, a big win. It was a real slim outside chance. You know, we had Osprey's last game, the last game of the pool. Yeah, we knew going into it, um, if we get the five a five point win, then Bordeaux then have to travel to Clermont, and there's a, there's a very slim chance that they get they get a win there because of Clermont's home home track record, um, and Bordeaux didn't really have anything going get left for them in, in the competition. So. Um, we knew it was out of our hands, so we, we kind of we kind of just did it completely performance based. You know, we wanted mm. to finish the, finish on a high, um, and then, you know, at the end of the game, there was these kind of, you know, we we're pleased with how we performed, and there was rumours sort of flying saying, well, you know, Bordeaux are leading at the minute, and you know, we couldn't believe it, so we're thinking, oh, well, is it possible that we we go through? And then the message came through, and uh, it was a pretty special moment, really. Yeah, um, it was a, one of those strange things, isn't it? I'm sure like Claire, Claremont made the wrong decision to go for sticks or something something odd. Happened. Yeah, well, so, so, so um, they got they got a penalty, didn't they? Um, very kickable. I think it was on the twenty-two. Yeah. Even Murray and me even closer, and they only needed a bonus point. You see, and they were eight. They were eight points behind, mm. and Morgan Paratic Morgan Paratic, so they couldn't win the game, game anyway. So he took a, he took a quick tap, um, <laughs> and then got that. Then they got turned over. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how he how he went down in the change room afterwards, but. Um, you know, certainly. I mean, you know, they learn from that sort of thing. And this this season, they look like they've got the bit between their teeth. Oh, absolutely. Um, some of the performance that, that they've shown have been pretty impressive. So, it'll be interesting to see how they go because you know it's certainly the latter stage of the competition where they tended to struggle in the past. But you know, they're a class outfit. Oh yeah. I mean, as uh, you know, we talk about the perfect storm. I mean, they've got all that French size, French money, but it almost feels like they're run in in a English style way. They are one of the few French uh, French clubs, and this is not to be. Too disrespectful to French clubs, but re- that, but they really embrace the conditioning and the coaching side too, which is quite rare over there. Yeah, they, I mean, everything was pretty impressive when we went over there, mm. and you know they do they do seem to have, you know, it's not like just they they fling it around and see what they can do. There's you know when you when you study them and analyze them, there's a, there's a definite structure. You can you can you see patterns to how they're trying to play, and they they understand the systems that they're, they're trying to run. Yeah, um, and then they just. Sort of, they sort of throw in a lot of class into that. So um, when they're firing they're, and they got a little bit of a rumble on, uh, they're very hard side to contain. What were you able to tell about them from your analysis? Well, just you know, <clears throat> where you know, there's, there's there's certain certain tells how they're trying to get, try and get their centres in the game, um, and the big runners. You can you can just when when you watch a lot of phase play, mm. you, you tend to be able to pick up a you know. You, sh- you should be able to pick up a Howard sides trying to break you down or trying to break teams down. I mean, obviously they'll they'll tweak it for certain games, but you, you can kind of get because obviously you've got to do your defense defense you know analysis all, all the week building up to it. And you've got you've got to understand how they're going to try and attack you um, and where where their threats are, so you, so you can defend against them. So you do you do some you know some French sides you play and you're like I'm I'm not sure if this is completely off the cuff or what, and, and then it's a case of you know you've got to defend what you see, but you know. Especially, you know, Premiership sides, you you begin to to learn how how teams are attacking, um, and Claremont are certainly one. You know, they they score some amazing tries, but there's there is a definite system there. Now, I might have this completely wrong. In fact, I almost certainly do have this completely wrong. But I seem to think it was a it was someone from Exeter who said, when analysing Saracens, they tend to have uh, after six phases, their defence tends to break down. Is that the sort of level you go to? I don't, I don't think so. I wish that it did. I actually think it was Jack Noll on BT Sport who said that. I think, you know, most sides, um, 
you know, most defensive systems, the more phases you can put put together, you're stretching them and putting them, you know, a defensive system will weaken when when put under pressure. Mm. So whether that be, but you, you know, to say sort of six phases, you need to be stringing six phases together. That is stretching them, yeah, and stretch stretching their defense and testing them. And then a, then a, a, when a, when a defensive line look, you know is under stress, that's when weaknesses, you know, sort of gaps appear. Mm. Guys jump out of line, and when guys feel under pressure, that's sometimes when people make mistakes. So that's what he might have been, he might have been getting at. Is you know if you can get to if you can stretch Saracens for six seven phases and put them under heat, that's when that's when you you might get front row tiring that's when you might get little sort of um gaps in their line speed little you know dog legs mm. um but you know let's be honest you know they did there's a good reason they did, did the double last year and that's yeah. largely down to their defense really they are an incredible team i mean it, it feels like they're the team actually well the only team that has a little something over exeter every time you guys meet yeah, well, especially last in the season before. Actually, I think we might have done the double double on them the season before, you know, in, in, right? in the league. But yeah, I mean, certainly they, um, like, you know, they another another team that are really impressive, and you know, they they have a, they have a clear understanding mm. and almost me- mechanical on how they operate, aren't they? You know, you kind of you know exactly what's coming every time we play against them. There's no, there's no surprises there because we know we know exactly how they're playing, but they're just they're extremely well drilled in it. And they're so efficient, efficient in how they run it that when they're on song and they're and they're firing, it's sometimes you know they just they pressurise you and pressurise you and they're relentless with it. That it's it's sometimes very hard to very hard to escape. I think um, I you know I haven't seen the game today, so I don't know how they got on. Um, uh, they won comfortably in the end, I think. Did they? Yeah, yeah. They looked good first half, and then they pulled away quite a lot in the second second half. Although I stopped watching with twenty minutes to go, so. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, they're they're. So, you know, now they've got, you know, the likes of, you know, believe in Apollo being injured for a while for them, you know, wouldn't have helped them. And, you know, guys away on international duty, you know, they, they lost a couple of games there, I think. But, you know, when they when they got their, their squad back, back and they got their key members, you know, they're impressive. Certainly. Oh, yeah. I mean, watching them away at Toulon this season, it was a masterclass of how to play rugby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, you know, Certainly, the, the final last year was 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 a lesson for us, and we we you know we we came out in the second half and had a lot better effort against them. But you know we're, we're looking to do a little bit better this year, and you know we're, we're working hard within our camp. To you know if the sort of business end of the of the season, we're hopefully somewhere where we can you know mm. put on a good challenge against them. I guess the overarching theme of Exeter over the last few years has been of a club that is continually improving. Can you just talk to me a little bit about how you've improved as a club, the atmosphere which is involved in that process, and also what's it like working with a guy such as Rob Baxter? Um, well, how we go about it is uh, to firstly just keep your feet firmly on the ground mm. um, and to not get too ahead of yourself. So, you know, win or lose, you know, you, you can you can A, B, if you if you have have a massive victory, you can kind of get you know go away with the momentum. You, you kind of get caught up in this in this roller coaster that you know, the press get behind you. You think you're amazing because you you had a hell of a victory. Yeah. Fans start blowing smoke at and you and you think suddenly hang we're better than we are. And the key is not to get caught up in that because it's you know weeks are long. To, <laughs> it can be a long time. It can be a short time in rugby. And and before you know it, you could be on the end of a hiding because because of 
believing you're better than you are. And exactly the same with the loss. You know, you can mm. you can take it take it a decent defeat, but it suddenly doesn't turn you into a crap outfit. You yeah. know, so I think I think I think come Monday morning, it's it's resetting yourself and the ability for a team to um, you build up to a game all week, you then try and unload it all on the weekend, um, try and get the best performance, you know, and hopefully the result goes your way on the back of that. But then come Monday morning, you then you got to reset yourself, and it's the ability to reset on that Monday morning and not wait till the Thursday Friday before you before you've 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 shelved that game at the weekend. Yeah. So I I think that's really important. And then then it's you know it's it's the small things. You know it's work. It's doing your one on one individual skill work that that's going to make the small little percentage difference in the game. Mm-hmm. You know uh, the map analysis we do. You know, and then, you know, working under Rob's, well, it's amazing, really. You know, he's, he's, he's um, analysis-wise, he's he's there at 6.30 in the morning when, when we get, you know, when we arrive at sort of 7, half 7, he's, he's already in there, in there grafting and he's he's there long after we go. So, you know, knowledge-wise, you know, you know that you're working under someone who's been watching everything and every fine detail and every bit of training mm. and he knows the ins and outs of it. Um, and, you know, he's just... You know, you see, what you what you see, you know, in your interviews and things like that, and it's you know, he's not that's what that's what you get. He's an honest bloke, and he, he he's he's honest and fair with you, so that's great. Yeah, I was in one of his uh, post match press conferences uh, when you when you guys visited Sale. And actually, I think that game might have been the game where you turned it around a bit, because I think prior to that you weren't on a particularly good run of form, and it's just like you say, he was incredibly honest. Uh, but also incredibly compelling. I thought, yeah, that, this is the guy that knows exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, we we actually looked at that game um, as a, a key moment for us because up until you know you're right up until then, you know we had a, after the Claremont home game we you know we had a good word with ourselves and we hadn't we hadn't come out of the traps like we usually do in the start of the season. You know, traditionally we've done pretty well at the start of the season and come out flying and gone well and the results weren't really really happening for us I didn't you know I didn't think actually think we'd, we'd played that badly but we'd, we'd lost a, a few close games and then it, it kind of gets starts sitting heavy on you mm. and we so we kind of reassessed after the Claremont get, you know, game and we, and we looked at that sale game and we thought right you know this is a big moment for us you know it's a really hard place to go and play on I think it was a Friday night we went up there um, mm. and we thought right let's, let's put a big focus on it and let's, let's just kick start it because let's get our own house in order and you know we can quietly go, out, go around about our business and get our season back on track and you know we had I think we had a complete you know squad buy into that and you know just slowly we just we just went about things just collecting points and you know suddenly we find ourselves nicely nicely sat in second well in the hunt for it so um, still a lot lot of work to do but you know certainly from earlier on this season we've we've managed to turn things back in our favour now, one of the things which is mentioned a lot about Exeter is the character of the players. I was interviewing Chris Bentley. Corporate Chris. Corporate Chris. Uh, likes a bow tie and got a degree in philosophy. Oh, did he? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Educated man. Um, <laughs> and he was saying that, the, I mean, most of the recruitment process, I'm sure there's a lot more science to it than this, but it's basically on the character of man that you are as much as it's about the rugby talent. Yeah, I mean... I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not sure how they do it. Um, mm. I know he spends hours and hours and hours watching footage. Uh, all the coaches do, you know, going through, um, making sure they get the right person. And you know, a lot of times they don't, they don't get that person. So they, they spend a huge amount of time going th- going through um, videos of possible 
possible players. But then he does he does always make sure that he meets the person and he he, he researches the person because you know ultimately that person's got to be able to fit in the change room and, and you know you'll have to ask him it but I, I suspect there's there is a real element of signing the the person first before the player yeah well what was your recruitment process like then um so um before any anything was agreed they i, I knew my agent had told me that rob was interested but he wanted to meet me um and which kind of happened he said look we're going to combine it with a medical just to see see where see where we're at and yeah so it was it was pretty much spent the morning with rob uh physio for a bit um and then just sitting down with rob and having a chat he took me around showed me around he wanted to you know we had you know it was a very civilized civilized chat but he wanted to get to know me a bit and he mm. wanted to tell me about the club and he wanted to tell me about the ambitions of the club and where it's come from and what I should expect should should we should I should I go there yeah. and what the, you know the, the club would expect from me um you know and like mm. he was he was he was definitely you know trying to sort of gauge whether he could you know get a relationship with me I suspect and whether we'd get on and whether I'd fit the mold of that current that that squad that was there at the time so two things from that then Firstly, what was the club expecting from you? What was that sort of, what was that discussion? And second of all, you talk about the analysis and finding the right player for the right role. What was the role that you were brought in to do for Exeter Chiefs? So he kind of outlined what what the kind of the squads, you know, the bar is hard work really. You know, you you come into work, you, we enjoy ourselves um, when it's time to enjoy yourself, but it's because you you've grafted. You yeah. know, it's all as a result of absolutely ending yourself in training. So by the time games games comes, intensity's an easy thing to get to. You know, it's easy to get to intens- get the intensity levels right up if you've been doing it in the week. So that was kind of the whole basis of it. It was a bit more detail than that. Um, and he, he 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 you know he was he was signing me as a as a as a um. For back row competition, really. at, at the time, um, his brother Richie had kind of nailed down the the, num- the number eight spot and yeah. he signed me for competition in that back row, and just you know, just stre- strengthen it there. And you know, he just said, look, you know, if you if you graft hard, if you if you play hard, and if you kind of learn from what type of back row I I want I want to have here, then you know, you'll get game time. So yeah, well, I mean, whatever he said, it was clearly compelling because you ended up there. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Now on that and how Rob Baxter likes to set up his teams. One of the things which is truly remarkable, Exeter, is how consistent you are and how good you are at the basic stuff. Now, one of the most basic things of all is the pick-and-go game, which you guys are very, very good at. How much emphasis is put on to that tight game? Yeah, well, I think I think you find most most sides when they get when they get into the twenty-two, mm. um, they tend to tighten up and flatten up. Um, we might do it slightly more slightly more than other teams. Yeah. Um, and that's just you know that's just a tactic we've employed and been pretty successful at it. But you know, you know, you know, we 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 do play pretty high intense multi phase game, and then you know, you'll find majority of teams when they get into the twenty two, things become a little bit more condensed mm. and a little bit more more direct. Yeah. Um. Obviously, defense intensity goes up because you're you're getting close close to your try line. Um. So you know, 
kind of attack wise you have to do I mean often you know things are on at the back and when, once you've tightened the defence that defence on you know you fly off or call, call it and you try and get a little bit of width on it but um, they'll only do that when if numbers are on yeah. if clear numbers are on but um, I think I, I think you a lot of teams do do that so just with that as with a lot of things in rugby, the devil is always in the detail. And something which seems very simple, i.e. the pick and go, is actually there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. Can you just give us some examples of what is actually going on when you're training and you're preparing using that tactic? Well, I think, again, I think, you know, when when you are picking and going, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to get the defence, you want to try you want, you want to try and get them sort of honeypotted on the, on the blind side or catch them catch them all grouped so the wider you can get on that the harder they have to work around the corner to get back in a position to defend the next guy is going to be picking and going if that makes sense whereas you know if i don't know what you'd call your, your say if you're, you're, you're you call it bodyguard your, your first defender yeah and you're, just, you're picking straight into him you've taken one guy out of the game mm-hmm. if you just a pick pick game if you can if you can pick and get to two or three you know suddenly those three those three guys are out of the game because the next pick more often than not, is it going to be going the same way? So either the outside defence has to compress in, or the blindside defence has to work around. But either way, they're they're under stress, and it goes back to that whole: you need to be stressing defence in order to create opportunities. Yeah, well, it certainly stresses defence because when you go through those multiple pick and go phases, uh, it does often feel like just only a matter of time until you score. Yeah, we do, I mean we do do quite a lot of work, and, and you know it, it it is harder than it. It is. It is hard because team, you know teams are very good at defending it, mm. um, and it's, it's, it's sometimes you know if, if you've got momentum and you've got speed on it, it's a lot easier. But it's when it's static, yeah. teams are, teams are stacked up against you. That's when sometimes you have to dig in and say, right, you know this this, this is going to be just attritional graft here mm. to to turn it from ball that the backs don't really want to ball that where backs are thinking, licking their lips, thinking, right, we've got an opportunity here. Uh, well, just changing the conversation completely now. You were born, or you're originally from Zimbabwe, is that right? I was born in Zimbabwe, yeah. Uh, are you a Zimbabwe national then? Well, I was born and bred in Zimbabwe. I, did, I, I, I was a Zimbabwe national, but then um, in a, uh, gave up gave up passport to have a European passport. My dad's German, so I had a German uh. passport. Um, and then I, I, I came to boarding school over here when I was quite young, and then would just I would fly home, fly home to Zimbabwe every holiday. Um, and then I ended up staying here. How did you, how did your dad end up in Zimbabwe? Uh, well, he was a doctor. Yeah. Um, and he met my mum in mum was South African, and they met in South Africa. He was working in South Africa, and they mm. met there, and they moved to Zimbabwe together and bought a farm, um, and then had four kids. Oh, are they still out there now? <laughs> well, my parents are divorced. My my dad's now in Mallorca. Yeah, and my mum's. Uh, we've got. We still got a farm in in Zimbabwe, but mum's um, now in Stellenbosch, just outside South Africa. Yeah, just outside Cape Town. How easy is it for you to go over and visit Zimbabwe? Well, well, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, my mum goes back every sort of three or four months, probably. Yeah. Um, check on the farm. Mm. Uh, but I'm back in a in a long time because you know our our window of uh, holiday time is essentially June. Mm. Um, so. Usually we try and try and fit, fit a fair amount in, and we get out, try and get out, to see my mum in Stellenbosch, and then go to see my dad in Mallorca, and there's, there's a fair few things. So we we, we haven't actually, all I haven't taken the, the kids out to Zimbabwe yet, but mm. 
my mum goes pretty regularly, to be honest. Now, do you ever sit back and think, if Zimbabwe was a functioning country, they would have one hell of a rugby team? Yeah, no, the whole time. I think, you know, it would be, you know, going just ex-Chiefs alone, you know, We've got Dave Years, yeah, born you know, born in Harare. Um, Don Armand, born in Harare. I think we, we might have even all been born in the same hospital. So, Is that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, but you know, so you know, we've got three Zimbabweans, and you know, you look around. Um, David, uh, the Scot- lad who plays for Scotland in the De- back row, uh, Denton. Den- Denton, he's he's Zimbabwe born. Uh, yeah, look, there's there's like, a lot of them are playing playing. Curry Cup and in um, Safka now, mm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, you know it's incredibly sad seeing. It is, yeah. Seeing, I mean, there's yeah, fingers crossed things can things can change there, and mm. you know they can start moving on the upper bed. But you know, there's it was certainly a hotbed of sport for a long time. Is there still much rugby been played out in Zimbabwe at the moment? There, I mean, there certainly is is, is rugby being played. Mm. Um, I follow a few of them on Twitter actually. Um, and there's a Bobby Sevens team, and you know there there is um, people out there who are making big efforts to to get sport back back to you know get the cricket back on the map and yeah. get the rugby back on the map. And it's just you know ultimately it comes down to funding, and it's just incredibly hard for them. Really, you know when you haven't got you haven't got support where where you need to have it. Yeah, and I guess it's one of those things that if you are a talented sportsman you'll probably just nip over to South Africa. And if you really have what it takes, you can end up being a springbok. Well, yeah, exactly, which is what the majority of Zimbabweans end up doing. Yeah. Because firstly, firstly, they tend to go over to university there. Ah, so, okay. um, most, most, of the, most of the universities down there, they all tend, tend to go, you know, to Cape Town or Rhodes or wherever. Um, and they end up playing the rugby down there. And then it just makes sense for them to, to play where the facilities are good. You know, the money's going to be decent for them. You know, it makes complete sense. Yeah, I often wonder if it'd be possible to put together like a barbarian-style outfit of Zimbabwe heritage players to play non-cup games in the test window or something like that. I think it would be pretty good fun, actually. Yeah, it'd be a great idea. It'd be, interesting. it'd be an interesting team you put together. Oh, it'd be tremendous. Yeah. Start it, mate. Get it going. Well, I'll use my minor clouts and see, I'll, and see I'll where ca- we go. I'll carry the water for you. Perfect. Now, you guys are going into the business end of the season now with the playoffs, but one of the things I wanted to ask you today was about the team-building side of Exeter, and in particular your pre-season. I've heard a lot about the Exeter pre-season in the past, and I was hoping you could just give me some details about what you guys do and how you use it to structure your season going forward. Not just the rugby side, but also the team-building side. You know, we I, I think we got... We got extremely good culture at the club mm. um something that you know we work hard at and you know i said you know we, we enjoy each other's company we enjoy having a beer together and but you you know going back to it you can only do that when you've grafted hard and you've, you've, you've put it in because otherwise otherwise it's, it, they don't work together yeah you know you can't you can't just cruise for pre-season and then have great times together and then just you just get, you get absolutely high income game time so you you know your rewards you get is is from it's from a huge amount of efforts that you put in, and and they 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 definitely go hand in hand because you can't. Well, that's what I believe. You know, you can't absolutely end yourself during you know, weeks, have massive massive games, and then get then have big wins and not not enjoy that enjoy those moments together. Yeah. Because that that's what is a huge factor in building a culture. Um, and exactly exactly that in pre season, you know, we'll look in pre season and go right. 
you know these these are what these are what we've got to meet these are the sort of um, sessions we're going to have um these are the targets we're, we're going to nail mm-hmm. and when we nail them then we're going to have good good times together we're going to organize this we're going to organize that you know and just you've got to have your rewards um and you know rob's obviously got um a change rooms together that you know we'll get all we'll get on um we enjoy each other's company and we you know we love having beers together you know there's <laughs> yeah that's, that's you know from from what i can see and what i've learned from rugby it's a fairly simple formula yeah. you know but you you've just got to you've got to have people who are prepared prepared to do it and you prepared to do the hard work before they get the rewards so give me an example of the sort of things that go on in a session where where you'd end yourself uh in pre-season we'll always have um because we're very close to the coast we'll always have beach sessions yeah so beach sessions consist of um loads of different stations essentially you know um with june 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 running driving bags you know doing uh line up more sessions up, up going up dunes um wrestling in the sea um but they're high intensity things and they're just have you ever tried running up dunes and sand? They're just absolutely <laughs> no. lactate build up. It's just inc- incredibly tough. Yeah. Um, but after like a three four three week block of say hard work on the pitch, and then you finish on a, on a Friday Friday's beach session, you get to the say the the, the end of the block of preseason, and we would have you know, I can it could be anything really, but we can organise right. We're having barbecues and, and beers on the beaches, and then we're going to organise to. Uh, go somewhere else and then you know just so so they're just they're just little rewards after a block of a block of pre-season that mm. you, you just you break up the pre-season slightly or you have um what did we do last year we went up to um we did we did like a sort of adventure thing at uh river dart um country theme park was it theme park well, it's, it's, it's essentially pulling tractors it was cross-country running it was a bit of leadership work in there and it was a it was a tough tough day's work mm. but and it was at, at the end of a block of block of um pre-season pre-season work and then you know we had an enjoyable evening afterwards so that's i mean that's the type of thing yeah i don't think i've heard of anything that sounds quite so nice which actually could be quite so horrible yeah absolute hell uh, I, uh, yeah i mean you know it, it's uh, uh, bizarrely, very rarely do we get a really nice day. But last year we had, we had sort of every single beach session. I think was sunny, so um, the beach was pretty crowded. So what's worse is you're absolutely hanging out your ass, and then you got everyone sort of taking photos and gawping <laughs> gawping you really to kind of, uh, and then you, you kind of see in the local paper yourself looking like you're on death's door yeah. next morning. So must be particularly odd if you just planned on nipping out to walk your dog as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is, yeah. I think I'd rather strange places. Now, just tell me a little bit about the Exeter fans and the support you get from the local community. Because it seems like you guys, are, you're almost like some sort of minor celebrities there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, our support is, I, I don't know if you've been to a game at Sandy Park, hmm. um, but it's absolute class. You know, uh, full buy-in, you know, there's a there's a huge group of, of travelling support as well. It's the diehards who, who come on away games and they're all, you know, Feather headdress, you know, they're, they're they're dressed up to the nines um, mm. with all the, all the drums, um, all the various songs and the chants, and you know, it's a it's a pretty special atmosphere, um, and there's you know, which plays a huge part to why the lads love playing at Sandy Park and why we we tend to have good results there. Yeah. Um, but not only that, you know, we can play 
you know, our sport when we when we go to you know New Newcastle away on a I don't know Friday evening, you yeah. know, they're you know there and you know and you can hear them all through the game with the with the drums going. The it's it's class. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and it's you know it's great because you know majority of them we see up in the bar afterwards, we go and have a beer with them, and it's it's just a, you know it's a really nice rugby club. You know it's a rugby club that's you know moving the whole time, modernising the whole time, mm-hmm. but it's kept it's kept its core values of what a proper rugby club is. I think. Yeah, it, it's got to be said. It, it's it's amazing how you've kind of kept like you say the core values, but you haven't lost it as you've increased in scale, which is so unusual. Yeah, it is. I think. Well, it's the people you you know you have at the club and the people in charge, you know, have been through it the whole way and they they know, and they have invested a huge amount of emotion into the club and they know what where it's come from and they yeah. want to they want to keep the good parts of it, which is which is really nice. Another thing too, it strikes me, or at least it seems, that Tony Rowe looks like a bloody good bloke. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, he um, you know, he's 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 every game. Um, he's 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 down with the players in the change room afterwards. Um, you know, all the players have a really good relationship with him. Yeah, well, you can tell he really enjoys his rugby. That, that's for sure. Yeah, he's ex- extre- you know, extremely passionate. You know, he's he's been at the club a long, long time, mm. and he, you know, he's just grown it and grown it. And he's just the engine behind it, and the energy he's got for a place is is pretty impressive. You know, the, the whole stuff with, with the cheese, but then you know, getting getting the World Cup games to Exeter, and you know, he's big driving force for that. So, you know, fair play. Now, have you been to Gareth Steenson's Lad Garage or whatever it is that he's got going on over there? Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the standoff. The standoff is his. Uh, oh, is, is that what it's, it's called? It's, yeah, the standoff's his pub. Yeah. Nice. His his bar. Yeah, it's class. Um, so the story behind that is um, a uh, great lad who used to play for us, Brett Sturgis, played for the club for about nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a um, kind of like a, a, a pub in his in his garden that he'd made. He'd built from a, a shed, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, it's called the, it's called the Grafters, and we always used to, we used to have a few beers there, especially at the end of the season. You know, he'd have barbecue, and he'd, he'd always have that pub open, yeah. and he'd have beers on tap, and it was, you know, it was, it was brilliant. And then uh, Stino, when he bought his place, said to Sturge, he'd love he'd love to love to do that there and do it in his, in his garage bit. Um, and Sturge went and helped him build that, and he slowly added, you know, he slowly added and ah. developed it, and, and all the memorabilia, and you know, and. Yeah, it's class. You know that, that he's. You know he'll always after the game, he'll always just say to the lads, "Look, standoff's opening at this time. If you, if you fancy coming for a few beers, and that's it's, brilliant. It's, 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 yeah, no, it's very good. It's, it's you know we. He tends to have. Uh, well, he'll always have a fair few sessions during the year there, mm-hmm. um, but always after every game, you know, majority of games, he'll say if anyone fancies it, and he'll get sort of, you know, a handful of lads there having a few beers with their partners and things like that. It's brilliant. Well, can you pass on a message to Gareth for me? Yeah, I think he should rename his bar. I think it should be called the Exeter Cocktap. All <laughs> right, okay. Now, um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now, what on earth is this? So, we were watching rugby about three years ago before recording our other our other podcast, Egg Chasers, and you got a yeah. very unusual celebration. What? Where did it come from? What's it about? Yeah. Where's it gone? And, wh- and more to the point, when's it coming back? Right, well, it's it's weird how I mean, just kind of escalated as some of these things tend to do. <laughs> we kind of did it as as a kind of um, test, testicular awareness type thing. Is that what it is? Uh, 
Yeah. Oh, brilliant. As like a, that was that was kind of the theme, and we just we just have it, but it wasn't meant to be how it kind of, but it ended up almost <laughs> being quite quite aggressive. Um, <laughs> so, so, and uh, we we had it go for a couple of seasons, and you know the lads loved it, and obviously we got, got a bit of a bit of press for it, and then and then we started getting quite a bit of negative press. Yeah. And Rob was like, look, um, and we were like, well, hang on, it's it's, it's you know. The, we, we, you know, we said said amongst ourselves, said, look, it's kind of getting away from what we originally originally kind of did it, and it's kind of. So, um, we then, you know, had a, f- a fair few complaints, so, and then Rob was like, look, I think we're just upsetting a few people here, so let's just let's just knock on the head. So that's kind of kind of what's happened, really. I, I hope it still happens in training. Oh, training the whole time, yeah. Anything goes in training. <laughs> there was one in particular. That's, with that's why. I, that's why I score. I score so many tries in training now. Oh, exactly, exactly. There, there, there was one with um, with Kerry Sweeney. Uh, I, I'm not going to describe it. If you really want to find it, you can go on go onto YouTube. But it reduced the three of us to tears. It was absolutely brilliant. Was it quite intense? Yeah, very <laughs> intense. <laughs> and, yeah. The, and the evolution of it, I, I liked even more, is when they when you would score and then you get into a huddle so no, so no one could see. That's 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 commitment. Yeah, well, that's kind of and and then we we what we started to do in the early early days of doing it, we were like, oh, hang on, so, you know, because you'd, you'd watch the, you'd watch the the video afterwards. You're like, hang on, one of these lads doesn't doesn't you know doesn't like cock tapping. Where's that? <laughs> and then you, you know, because a couple a couple of lads wouldn't come in and join in, so like, they like then we'd we'd start bagging them in the week. So by by the end of it, then everyone had to be in, be involved in it. So yeah, it did it did escalate a bit, but Excellent. no, we've kind of we've kind of moved on from there. But that that's kind of the story by now. Uh, well, well, I personally hope it comes back, but I think there's also a lot of good logic if it has veered away from what it originally was. Great, yeah, great no, fun all the right. same. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was good fun, but I think it definitely we kind of lost sight of what what the reason was for it. Yeah, right. So before I let you go, I'm going to need two predictions. You're currently second. You're going to go into the playoffs. So, firstly, where do you think you're going to finish this year? Do you think you can top the table? And who will you play in the final? Because I'm going to assume that you get there. Right. Well, uh, that's a tricky one actually. Um, we, you know, we obviously we've targeted top two. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what's the five point above us now? Um, and it's going to be a real tough, tough running. But I'd like to think we can get a home semi. Mm. Um, and I think, I think, oh, I don't know, it's really hard. I think we'll, I think we'll probably end up playing. We'll probably end up playing. Now, I'll tell you what I, I'm going to say. And this is a bold statement. We're going to finish. We're going to finish top. Good. Um, and we're going to be playing Wasps in a home semi. Nice. So no, no, we're not. No, we're not. No, because if Wasps if we, if, finished second. No, Wasps Wasps will finish third, and who would be Leicester at home with it currently? Yeah, so you'd have Leicester, which means we'll have Leicester, we'll have Leicester at home, which means Saris will be playing Wasps at home um, in their semi. And if Saris are susceptible to one team, I think it would be Wasps, actually. Or Chiefs. Oh, 100% Chiefs. 100% Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, so to be honest, I'm not bothered. We'll finish top and then we'll just... We'll, we'll, you know, we'll take whoever, whoever fancies our chances down at Sandy Park. Uh, yeah, and then just kick on from there. Are you, <laughs> are, you, are you a little bit worried? Or is it something you want to get off your back? That if you win, that you'll cease becoming the neutral's favourite and 
stop becoming everyone's fav- second favourite team? Poten- oh, I don't know. Potentially, I suppose. Like everyone loves everyone loves a little bit of an underdog, don't they? So, so last time we're, when we were up at um, Twickenham in the final, it was absolutely amazing because I think we probably had. You know, there, there was a fair few neutrals that had bought bought tickets, so we we probably had them on our side. So yeah. the noise level, the noise levels were were absolutely unreal. Um, not only that, you know, we had good thirty odd thousand travelling from um, um, Devon as well, so that was pretty amazing. But I think I think I think you might be right. You know, it, it, when you have a team that's, but I, I think I think that tends to come off continuous success. Yeah. So for example, when Federer's won Wimbledon for seven straight times. You know, on the eighth time, people are like, come on, let's have someone else, you know, someone else to win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, you know, I think I think that tends to happen after you've... If we were in the Premiership six years on the bounce, I reckon on that seventh year, people might might fancy another team. <laughs> I yeah. hope. Yeah, well, if you win it six times on the bounce, we'll get you in for uh, the record-breaking sixth time for yet another interview. Thank you so much for coming on today, Kai. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, one other thing as well. Big thank you to Peter for um, for setting this up. Yeah, no, it was great. Good form from him. He loves he, he loves listening by all accounts. So yeah, weirdly, huh. um, makes I, a change. Yeah, I don't know many of them. Anyway, thanks for coming on today, and best of luck when you get to those playoffs. Cheers at all, and uh, safe safe trip to South Africa. Cheers. All right, bye bye. Cheers, Jimmy. Bye, mate. <laughs>